0: Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to let you know that we made some changes over on Patreon by consolidating to a single, affordable tier for rewards. With our first book set to release on October 18th, we're offering a special promotional offer if you sign up to become a curator on Patreon by October 1st. If you do, your name can be immortalized into the published version when it comes out. Current patrons are already in. You can find out more over at Patreon.com/slash/GrinnerMedia. In addition, we're having pre-sales for the book for autographed copies on our website at theStoragePapers.com for U.S. residents only at this time. And keep your eyes open on our website for our first-ever short story horror writing competition for a chance to have your work produced on the Storage Papers podcast next season. Details will be posted soon. Rusty Quill presents The Storage Papers. 6 Today I'm going to be skipping my usual introduction to what I'm about to read more or less because I'll have much more to say about this particular set of papers afterwards. So with no further ado, I'll begin. It started with a phone call. Their exact words were unimportant, but the directive was clear. I had a long drive ahead of me. I knew my girlfriend wouldn't want me to leave without saying goodbye but I also know she'd be even more upset if I woke her up at 1.06 in the morning when she had to wake up in just three hours to get ready for her shift at the hospital. Instead, I left a note on the counter letting her know I'd see her when she got home. I closed the door as quietly as I could and got in the car. I had a two-hour-long drive ahead of me, and I was relishing the idea about as much as a colonoscopy, but I had to go. I glanced into the cup holder to see I'd left my thermos in here from this morning. I checked it, and sure enough, there was still coffee in there, now completely cold. Swallowing my pride with the coffee, I felt the familiar buzz as my neurons began to fire up and ask what the occasion was. It wouldn't last, but it had to be enough because it's all I had, and they weren't the type to be happy if I made them wait around for me. Any road is a long and lonely road at this time of night. But there are none longer or lonelier than your generic back road under a moonless sky, the forgotten highway, that they should really just let nature reclaim. Some would call it the scenic route, but to me, it was an inconvenience surrounded by mountains, valleys, and the occasional patch of bushes and trees. Maybe I'm just grumpy because I only ever take these routes at night but color me unimpressed by the vague, shadowy figures that line my night journey. The one thing that always made this trip worth it, aside from the fact that I had no choice in the matter, was the radio. Usually, radio is extremely boring, but when you get in just the right spot, you could pick up something different. If you tune your dial just right somewhere between the Christian contemporary music on 102.1 and the religious broadcast on 102.5 there it is 12, 15 14 12 25 those things have always fascinated 5,
1: me 1, I
0: feel like I'm still thinking of them 80, in my dreams sometimes 20, some people count sheep 19, I listen to people say numbers, I guess. The really fascinating thing is these things don't normally play on your regular radio. There had to be a pirate station out there somewhere, which makes it all the more interesting, I think. I was so caught up with the person reciting the numbers and trying to mentally decode what I'm sure is either gibberish or a code too far advanced for something in my head. I didn't notice the headlights behind me at first. I checked my speedometer instinctively. If it was a cop, they were being a dick by riding my ass when I was going a mile or two under the speed limit. I had to flip my rearview mirror to keep myself from being blinded by the lights. After a minute or two, the lights backed off some. I don't know why they didn't just pass me, but at least they got the hint that I wasn't going to speed up on account of them. Then they turned off their headlights. At least I thought they turned them off. Anything that lights up the road was pretty sparse, but there was a lone streetlight ahead. I kept my eyes mostly on the mirror as it passed, but there was no sign of a vehicle behind me. I hadn't passed a turnoff anywhere, so they would have either had to make an illegal U-turn or pull off to the side of the road completely. As soon as I was out of the light and I looked away for a sec, the car was once again on my bumper, barely illuminated by my taillights. My foot pushed down on the gas. I had no interest in these games. It was extremely difficult to see, but I was pretty sure I could make out the shape of the car getting further away. I was straining to look in the mirror so much as it seemed to flicker then disappear from view that I didn't see the car stopped in front of me. I slammed on my brakes and cranked the wheel to avoid a collision, swerving until I was perpendicular to the road. It wasn't until I had come to a halt with the engine idling that I realized just how loud the radio had become. I turned the volume down as I just tried to breathe. Once my heart calmed down, I looked at the car that was now to my right. There was a figure standing in front of the car. I squinted, trying to see more detail, but the figure stood in the perfect patch of darkness between our two vehicles. He or it, I suppose I should say, didn't move towards me or away from me. It just stood there, motionless. I glanced at the time. It was 1.06 in the morning. I'd never run into a single other vehicle on this road at this time before tonight. I didn't like the odds that the first person I'd run into was driving recklessly, and the second person was standing still outside their car that was stopped in the middle of the road and both of them just happened to occur in the same night. I looked behind me to gauge how much space I had, then without losing sight of the figure, at least in my peripheral vision, I backed up to put my car in line with the road. My headlights lit up the car in front of me, but didn't reveal anything about the figure. It was like the figure was absorbing the light instead of reflecting it. I double-checked the locks, then eased the car forward without moving my eyes from him. Or it it still made no motion towards me and I immediately accelerated once I passed the car. I needed to get to the end of my trip before anything else happened. I wondered if this had anything to do with why they had called me tonight. I couldn't ignore the unease in my gut despite all the oddities being behind me now. At least that's what I thought until I saw the absence of light form in the shape of the figure ahead of me in my headlight beams. This wasn't possible. It was standing on the side of the road, simply facing me. It almost seemed like it was flickering. I didn't slow down. Within a minute, the figure was once again in front of me, this time standing in the middle of the road. Instead of slowing down... I sped up as I eased into the opposite lane and flew past it. I looked in my rearview mirror, but of course, I could see nothing. It was too dark out and this thing, whatever it was, seemed to be made of the darkness. I put some more pressure on the gas, my anxiety was skyrocketing. I wanted to be done with this trip already, I wanted to be back home, in bed, cuddling with my girlfriend until she left for work felt like an eternity passed. I glanced at my clock. One oh six. Just a little longer and I'd be there. My eyes were wide, trying to absorb all of my surroundings, waiting for the next figure to appear ahead of me. I glanced in my rearview mirror again and almost swerved off the road as I saw it there, in my mirror, in my back seat. It was as motionless as ever. Who are you? I yelled. What do you want? It didn't appear to acknowledge me in any way. It just sat there. There were no facial features. No eyes. No mouth. Nothing. There was static on the radio for a moment. Then it sounded like one of my car's speakers cut out. That's when I realized the radio station wasn't coming from my speakers. It was coming from... It... The figure. Without moving at all, her numbers were emanating from this void of a person in my back seat. The voice had not changed at all. It was the exact same broadcast as it had been when my car's radio had been playing it. Then it leaned forward. Instead of the numbers, it said two words Watch out. I looked again at the rearview mirror and it was gone. I looked back at the road, and it was in front of me, running directly at me. This time I wasn't able to keep the car on the road. Glass shattered and metal crunched as a tree brought me to an abrupt stop. Everything faded away except for the distant sound of my car horn stuck on, and the radio. I know I had more to say, but just before I get to that there's one other paper to read for you. This one states at the top that it's the personal notes from Dr. James Baker and dated September 15th of 2012. It begins. I don't know if it's even worth continuing to write these notes with the trial and its study being in the state that it is now. All my other notes are gone already. But for whatever it's worth, here's a brief overview of the most notable work I'd ever done. A few years ago, my department received funding to explore dreams and the brain's ability to remember or forget them. The potential applications for this study are numerous, but I personally was most interested in the possibility of impact for those experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. About a year ago, we had a breakthrough. This breakthrough was somehow granted approval for human trials at a pace I didn't think possible. Essentially, we were able to either activate or inhibit melanin-concentrating, hormone-producing neurons in the hypothalamus. For those not aware of what that means, we were able to either make people remember or forget their dreams completely. We had enough funding to pay 120 participants. More than I liked were just college students, but we had a pretty good variety of subjects from all different backgrounds we split the participants into three equal groups. For a four-week period, we didn't give them anything in order to establish a baseline. Starting with week five, Group A took a pill meant to stimulate the neurons, Group B took a pill meant to inhibit the neurons, and Group C took a sugar pill. Over a six-month period, we monitored each group's sleep and would wake them up at a set interval each week after they had entered REM sleep, the part of the sleep where we dream. They would then recite the dream they had to the best of their ability. The results were better than we had hoped. It didn't happen immediately, but by the end of week six, every single participant in group A was able to vividly recall their dream at any point that we woke them up. Group B couldn't remember a single thing, and group C had similar results to the initial 4-week period, with a slightly increased proclivity to remembering more details, but nothing that can't be explained by the placebo effect. Week 13 is when we started to get unusual results. We had selected that week to wake up all of the subjects just 1 minute and 6 seconds into REM sleep. It wasn't until we compared notes at the end of the day that our suspicions were confirmed. All 40 subjects in Group A had the exact same dream. There were no common denominators that we could determine amongst the individuals themselves other than all being local to the San Diego area. But even in that, they didn't all grow up here, so I don't think that had anything to do with it. And yet, despite their own age, gender, sexual preference, job, living situation, anything like that, they all dreamed that they were in a relationship with a woman who works at a hospital going for a drive at 1.06 a.m. due to a vague phone call. They all listened to the same radio station. They all encountered this figure. They all seemed to lose consciousness within their dreams as a result of a car accident. Every last one of them was exactly the same, down to the smallest detail of drinking day-old coffee. This kept up for five days— The next two days, we woke them up one minute and six seconds in, just as before, but all the dreams were different again. I don't know who was more relieved, the people in Group A or the staff recording the dreams. It was a creepy dream, after all. Even though it's all confidential, people talk. To their spouse, to their close friend, to co-workers, even to strangers on the internet. I don't know exactly how it happened, but somebody had to have leaked what happened. Halfway into week 14, our funding was pulled abruptly. A few hours later, I kid you not, two men and one woman, all in gray suits, came in and began collecting everything. All the documentation, the pills, the formulas, everything was placed into boxes and carted away. I still had a photocopy of one of the dreams in my pocket. I had been reading it over and over, in what little spare time I had. If not for that, I wouldn't have anything. They even searched my home to make sure there was nothing from the study or subsequent trials there. They offered no explanation. Years of my life were taken away from me, and now there's no hope of understanding what happened in week 13. So now I have this personal note, which doesn't even really serve as evidence since it's all from my memory now. Science eventually will answer every question, of this I'm certain. But what do we do when the science is stolen from us? I can only hope that whoever stole my work, my life, I hope that they will at least put it to good use. For science. I read these papers for the first time about six weeks ago now. It bothered me quite a bit. Who's to say that I haven't had that same dream and it just got lost? thanks to the neurons in my hypothalamus. How do any of us know we haven't had that dream? And if we have, what other dreams have gone unremembered? And how many have we all shared? So six weeks ago, I bought a watch that monitors my pulse and connected it to an app that monitors my sleep. It's not an exact science, and honestly, my sleep has been terrible lately which doesn't help matters, but I've been able to have it wake me at varying times after I've entered REM sleep. Last week, I think I hit on something. The next day, I set it to wake me at the same time, 8 minutes and 32 seconds, and I definitely dreamt the same dream twice. The third day, it changed. Whether that was due to the lack of proper tools I had available to me, or whether the time changed for the dream, I'm not sure. Now, I don't have all the same memory enhancements that were available for the drug trial, so I really don't have that much. But I was able to write some things down to the best of my memory. I just walked out of a bar. I felt relieved. I had finally gotten things off my chest. I knew there was a chance I wasn't going to come out of that meeting entirely sober, which is why I had arranged for the meeting to be walking distance from my place, I was on San Diego Avenue when I saw it. It wasn't the first time I'd encountered it, and I knew it wouldn't be the last time. No other pedestrians seemed to notice it. I glanced at my wristwatch. 8.32. I stopped walking. Although it was about a block away, the figure sounded as though it was talking right behind me. Just as it always did, it began reciting numbers. It did this for what felt like several minutes, but when I looked at my watch again, it was still 8.32. When I looked back up, it was just inches away from me, and then everything went black. I wish I could remember what the numbers were that the figure was saying, but I just don't think that's possible. I don't think I'm supposed to, but this seems like it confirms my suspicions. I think that there are dreams that we all share. They seem to revolve around this dark figure in numbers. I don't know what it all means, and I'm even further away from figuring out how it's possible in the first place, but at least it's a start. I'll continue to try this, and if any listeners are able to, please send me any dreams that involve the dark figure and how far into REM sleep you were when you woke up. Maybe with enough of us involved in this, we can find out why this is happening. With these dreams being so heavy on my mind, I had another thought as well. On a hunch, I called Brianne. Hello? Hey Brianne, how are you doing? I, now's not really a great time, Jeremy, so. Sorry, I'll make this quick. This is about something I found in the papers that I read, and I was wondering if you know anything about. Oh, and since I'm doing this for the podcast, I'm recording this. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. What did you find? It may be nothing, but do you know any female nurses or anyone that works at the hospital, I guess, who was seeing anyone in 2012 who used to go on long night drives, maybe for work or something? read about this in the papers yeah a group of 40 people all had the same dream about this person i i think that was me sorry i know i should be getting used to stuff like this but that's in 2012 my boyfriend went on a backcountry road at night they found his body the next day thanks for listening I'll explore another paper next week.